0: Welcome to another episode of Cybersecurity One on One with Larry and Joe. It's been a while.
1: It's it really has been a while, Larry. Uh, we've been getting a lot of people hitting us up on on LinkedIn, which is awesome. It's really great to hear that people are listening and and this has uh, been helpful for them. A lot of people have been wanting to know, Larry, how are you doing and and uh, you know what you've been up to. Well, I'm doing
0: great, and so I graduated. Yay! I graduated on. Um, February twenty seventh from my computer career, which is awesome. So uh, I took a couple of weeks off from all the schooling, (laughs) and uh, now um, I am going. Now I'm looking for work, which um, I got a couple of uh, offers. It's just because I'm just such a new beginner that they're um, the pay is low. But uh, I don't mind that if I can have the hours, I would love that. So um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, but yeah. So it's been good. It's been good. Okay. It is-
1: now Now, um, you were telling me a while back you were also looking into the Certified Ethical Hacker um, training. Is that in progress or or? That's in about progress.
0: That? Uh, I'm starting on May the 10th. Everything's okay. done, so I'm excited about that.
1: So tell our tell our listeners about the certified ethical hacker you know what what is that and what do you hope to learn from that program uh it's a cyber
0: cybersecurity uh specialist where um it's going to be focused more on the cybersecurity and um i'm going to be learning more of just um more of the theoretical part of just of uh, what i'm looking at and and what's going on so uh, I'm very, very excited about that. I'm like, whoa, like
1: it's, uh, it's a pretty good cool. field. That's awesome. And then um, you were telling me there's another program that you applied to. Uh, tell us about that program. Uh, it was the Microsoft Academy, but I'm very excited about
0: that too. So, uh, right. and I thank you for that because you sent me that link and I'm sitting like,
1: whoa, like this is it's pretty intense. Yeah, it's a great program. Yeah. Um, I've uh, gotten to know some of the some of the folks that have gone through the program and and they've you know found good good work, good jobs they have a good job placement program and that's one of the reasons why I recommend it is is uh, not only is a good education good experience, um, and you'll go I think a little bit deeper on on the the Microsoft uh, you know part of it, which is really good too I'm a little biased obviously um, <laughs> towards Microsoft but and then you know since uh, the last episode, There's been a lot happening in the world of cybersecurity. Um, You know, SolarWinds uh, was basically a victim of a supply chain attack where the attackers uh, got in and modified their uh, code so that the customers, I think there was 18,000 customers that were signed up for kind of a warranty service where their software could automatically update. It downloaded the the malware that the attackers kind of planted inside of the SolarWinds code. And it automatically distributed it to those clients. And a lot of those clients were, um, you know, pretty, uh, pretty important networks, you know, various U.S. government agencies and, and corporations. And so the attackers were able to basically gain a foothold and move laterally inside of the network. And it was very, very difficult to detect because the software binary was signed with a certificate of trust from SolarWinds. So if you were a information security person at those companies and you saw the activity, you saw that whatever activity it was, it was originating from signed, you know, uh, binaries that were cryptographically signed with a certificate from SolarWinds. And, and so it's a very devastating attack because it exploits trust in a, in a signed executable And a lot of organizations run software that automatically updates from these uh, vendors. So I think this is, uh, you know, it wasn't the first, you know, it's not gonna be the last. Citrix was uh, compromised, I think it was 2019. Um, I I should say they were informed that they had been compromised for over 10 years. Uh, It's believed to be by Iran so uh, basically iran was inside of the citrix uh, software manufacturer for 10 years and that allowed iran to get into again various government agencies so they that's what we mean when we when you hear the term advanced persistent threat apt it means they're they're so advanced that they're able to remain persistent inside of a network and therefore it's a, it's a pretty you know serious threat so you know if, the attackers were in solar winds. It's believed, you know, initially um, their code was probably installed in, in the fall of 2019, and then uh, they waited a while to see if their code was detected, and then they sprung into action somewhere around, I believe, March and then June of 2020, and they remain und- undetected for, you know, until I believe it was January of 2021. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, was kind of when it was first detected. So that has been um consuming a lot of attention, you know. Um uh politically, they, you know, it's been called a cyber war by some people, by you know, this just indiscriminate hacking of so many organizations by a nation state, because it's believed the hackers were uh from Russia. And uh so it, it's it's, it's cyber warfare on a scale that hasn't been seen before, so it's pretty unprecedented um, other than maybe what happened to Citrix a couple of years prior, but that didn't get a, a, a lot of headlines for some reason. And then more recently, Larry, Microsoft had a vulnerability in their Exchange server product, which is an email system that over, you know, it's estimated between 250 to over 300,000 Different organizations worldwide were running that and uh, on premise, and that's kind of the older way to run email systems, is to actually host it in your data center. The right. more modern way, that kind of more popular ways to host it in the cloud, and that's called Office 365 or Exchange Online. Right. But for these, uh, you know, 250 000 to 300 thousand organizations, uh, they were issued a patch by Microsoft on March 2nd. To basically update their servers and all sorts of government agencies issued, you know, memos saying, please update, you know, this is really, this is the big one, this is critical, you know, you got to update right away. So uh, I think up till recently, there was still somewhere between, you know, estimates vary between 40 to 80,000 servers out of those 250,000 had still not been patched. And I think it's like small businesses that just don't have, you know, the manpower, the skill, or just aren't, you know, reading Twitter and email about this uh, or the news, you know, about this. And so now hackers have created this ransomware. I believe it's called Deer Cry, and it's designed to uh, deploy ransomware inside an organization. And uh, what's what's really potentially scary is that if that becomes a worm like WannaCry, and, and the fact that it's named Deercry, it has the word cry in it, it remembers us, it, it causes us to remember in 2017, the WannaCry uh, ransomware was uh, spreading uh, indiscriminately to any kind of internet connect host that was vulnerable. I believe it was the SMB protocol, server message block protocol, vulnerabilities in that. Wow. So if you were connected to the internet and you had an open file share, you were going to get ransomed you know, ransomware was going to hit that box. And so that's a, that's what's called a worm. A worm in security technology is when something can spread on a network without any kind of human direction. It's very indiscriminate. It scans, it spreads, and it's perhaps the most devastating of all, you know, cyber attack, because uh, if you're connected to the internet and you're running that vulnerable software, you're going to get ransomed. And um, so, yeah, WannaCry, uh, you know, was devastating in 2017, and this Deer Cry is uh, going to potentially affect anywhere from 40 to 80 thousand exchange servers if they don't get patched. And uh, you know, email is such a business critical system. You know, it's one thing for WannaCry to take out your file server so people can't share files. That that's pretty bad. But email arguably is is the one or two most critical business application that, a, that an organization has. So if they can't communicate to their customers, if they can't receive orders, if they can't even communicate to their employees, you know, talk about a business disruption. And it's been said that um, more than half of small businesses will actually either declare bankruptcy or completely fail and go out of business uh, after a cyber attack because they just can't recover from something like that. You know, think about it. That server may be running not only, you know, email might be having their accounting system on it might have everything, all their files. Now they, you know, they have no backups perhaps. And so, um, they basically have to go out of business. It's too big of a loss. So, yeah, there's just been, you know, so much going on in 2021, um, already that, uh, you know, it's in terms of the, you know, cybersecurity, everyone's got to be on their toes. Um, and then I just saw a few days ago, there's now uh, code available to exploit vulnerabilities in F5 networks. So, F5 makes these load balancers that a lot of those load balancers are internet facing. So, if you have, let's say, six different web servers and you want to balance the load between all six, you'd, you're going to either have an F5 load balancer, maybe Citrix, maybe, you know, there's a few other, you know, really good ones out there. Um, but uh, F5 is definitely one of the market leaders. So they have a lot of their equipment that's on the internet, these big five, uh, you know, big IP F5 load balancers that are running um, what's called an RCE. So an RCE is a vulnerability called remote code exploit, uh, or re- sorry, remote uh, code um, executable. And this, what this means is that you're remote and you're running uh, code that can actually run on the server without you having to have a, uh, you know, username or password. So we call it a pre-authenticated RCE. And, and that's potentially wormable, like like WannaCry or Dear Cry for Exchange. So all these corporate networks, you know, they're so focused, they were focused on SolarWinds, and then they had to focus on Exchange. And I think what's potentially going to happen is fatigue is going to set in, and they're not going to be able to see this F5 thing coming. Uh, I think the good ones will, but I think a large amount of these clients are going to be caught off guard here, and they're going to see again more more intrusions happening inside their networks. So it's just not just clicking on an email now, and
0: you know, you. Right. Most companies tell you, hey, you know, if it's a suspicious email, just if you click on that, then you know you can spread you know you can spread a virus right now. I mean, with the code that they have out now. It's it's if you don't get patched up um with the, the new exchange uh
1: patch, you're 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 very vulnerable right now. That's right. You know, if you didn't patch SolarWinds, if you didn't patch exchange, if you didn't patch your F5, um, if if you don't have a, a very mature patch management protocol or, or procedure to regularly know when your software that you're running or equipment that you're running um, has a vulnerability and when updates are available, if that's not a regular regimen inside of an organization, then um, you're right, Larry, uh, an employee doesn't have to click anything. If those things are facing the internet and directly connected to the internet, then we're talking about a you know an actual um, intrusion now. And it's now a incident response um, matter. So incident response is when you realize you've actually been uh, infiltrated and now you're trying to uh, respond and and you need to uh, you know understand the scope of the attack and understand which systems were affected Um, generally speaking it's a good practice to try to isolate those systems Preserve the evidence so that you can understand. Um, it's really important to preserve the evidence so that you can gain what's called a indicator of compromise, an IOC. Those IOCs um, are basically like fingerprints at a crime scene. It helps you understand what other systems have those um, same fingerprints, so that you can then understand the scope um, and how the attackers got in, so that you can learn from it and try to close those doors one of the mistakes people get in these these uh you know scenarios is they just quickly wipe the system but if you wipe a system you're wiping the evidence now you don't know how the attacker got in what's to say they're not going to get in again and so the the problem there is then the attacker just regains entry again and um you know that that's definitely an issue uh, another thing that has um been uh another thing in the newsletter i think that's kind of an interesting to discuss, is the next version of Windows Server was announced um, at the Microsoft Ignite conference. And so it's called uh, Windows Server uh, uh, 2022. And basically, this new version of Windows Server includes this um, security setting that uh, will protect you from what's called uh, firmware persistence, so firmware persistence means, Larry, imagine this. Imagine that your, your system gets hacked so bad that after you format and reload the operating system, the attacker is still in the system because they got their code into the firmware, which is beneath the operating system. So what that means is that <laughs> you um, you basically can't easily clean that system as, as a normal person or normal you know even most security teams wouldn't be able to detect or realize when firmware has been hacked so this new version of windows server that was announced um has protection capabilities to protect against uh, firmware um that that's been compromised and uh so that's that's pretty interesting very interesting wow so i mean
0: because i know when they usually come out with new servers and 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 and, and new things that they- it's really good. But then afterwards they come out with the, they'll find a vulnerability. So then they come out with a new patch and stuff like that. Yeah. So how, how good is this new system that Microsoft is coming out?
1: You're right. There's definitely a philosophy out there, Larry, that says don't deploy a new server, you know, until it's got at least the first major service pack. So all the bugs are kind of worked out. And I was just talking to someone about that, that, um, you know, I'm not here to really debate whether it's right or wrong, but the, the, uh, the flip side of that coin is organizations that don't stay up to date on the operating system, they end up with what we call technical debt. So technical debt is when you're so far behind in technology, you're, you're building up all this sort of debt. And eventually, you know, the interest rate becomes so high on technical debt, so to speak, <laughs> that um you you now find yourself in a pickle and so some of our some like some of the projects i'm working on right now people are still running windows server 2008 r2 and mm-hmm. so we're getting calls and projects to upgrade um, because that that server does not support security updates anymore yeah. and so think about think about the technical debt when you know you hear about this major solar winds breach you hear about you know the exchange ransomware. You hear about F5, and and so now you're you're hunting and looking for these IOCs inside your network, but you realize that your your Active Directory domain controller, which is the heart of the network where all the passwords are stored, the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, uh, that that is running on a operating system that is no longer receiving security updates because <laughs> you haven't you haven't paid your technical debt. You haven't kept current. You haven't kept uh, upgraded. So. While I would say, you know, does it make sense for everybody to rush out and, and install the very latest version of Windows Server as a response? Um, in general, what I'd say is, is try to go to the latest version that Microsoft has released uh, that is compatible with all of your applications. Um, because, you know, you might have an older application because, you're again, your technical debt that doesn't support the latest version of Windows Server and so maybe you can't go to the latest version but if you can stay within what's called n minus 2 so this concept of n minus 2 is generally what microsoft considers the last two major versions of an operating system so you know that would be say windows server 2016 and windows server 2019 um you know would be the the current supported versions older versions like 2012 r2 2008 r2 those would be considered you know, um, you know uh, what's called a down-level operating system, or something that you know you need to be actively planning to get those upgraded. Right, right.
0: Oh, that's very, very interesting. That's very interesting because I know um, from in school we we learned a lot of the the older operating systems, but then we did learn too that Microsoft, you know, when they do get a new one, like 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 you were saying. Um, windows uh 2000 windows 2007s they don't even send patches out to those systems anymore for security updates or anything so you're kind of just you are kind of out there on your own that's what say. that's the kind of yeah you do have to update your system
1: yeah now in terms of uh larry in terms of kind of next steps you know you have the you have the Certified Ethical Hacker um, training coming up uh, in May. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um, then you're gonna apply to the MSSA Academy for
0: Microsoft. Yeah. So in the meantime, um, I'm going to start studying to get my Security Plus um, cert. So that, yeah, that that is uh, my goal right now. And yes, I am going to try to get my Linux. I know it's going to be rough. I'm trying to get my Linux cert. That's cert. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm 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 in. I'm a Linux guy. I know Joe's a Microsoft, but uh, mm-hmm. I love Microsoft too. I love them mm-hmm. all. Yeah. But uh, I'm definitely going to try to get my uh, Security Plus uh, cert. That's my next goal
1: here within the yeah. next uh, month. That's good. That's really good. I'm going to hold you accountable, man. I'm going to call you and say, "Hey, how how you studying <laughs> going? You got to
0: yeah, got to put exactly. the time
1: in. <laughs> you know, that's going to be awesome." Yeah. It'll pay big dividends, I promise you. If you if you get that Security Plus and you get the Linux um, cert, those are really really going to help your uh, cybersecurity career. Absolutely. Um, and um, all right, well, Larry, this was really good. It was really good to catch up. I think good what we'll try to do is is um, you know after um, either MSSA or uh, CEH or if you have an announcement on the job search, let us know. But right now, Larry is open to Offers of employment, you know, as of, so we're recording this on March 21st, 2021. We'll update the notes uh, if Larry does receive employment offers. Um, But Larry's open and seeking, actively seeking for a SOC position, a security operations center, SOC analyst level one, to be basically looking at um, all the alerts coming in from all the systems, trying to analyze those and, and, and basically triage uh, triage all the alerts coming in, identifying what is real, what is a false positive, and then escalating that up to uh, a tier two analyst. And so that's kind of the job, you know, progression. You, um, it's often, you know, seen that a lot of folks that get their start in cybersecurity start off as a SOC analyst. It's a great way to to get exposed to a lot of the threats out there, and to uh, just get familiar with terminology and systems and networking and people just to get exposed to gain experience and then moving up to level two, get more experience, um, you know, get into incident response. And then eventually, um, you know, we call that all blue teaming. So blue teaming is, is the defense of a network. And then um, oftentimes the blue teamers then have enough skill to consider being on the red team. So the red team would be the penetration testers. Those that are basically trying to take everything they've learned from you know, how networks are defended now that, you know, how a network is defended, then, um, you'll have advantages as an attacker because, uh, you know, you know how to break into that, that network. Right. And so that's, that's kind of your long-term goal, I believe is is to be a penetration tester. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I want to, I want to be on
0: the seal team six. So that, (laughs) 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 That, yeah, that's what I want to do. So, but, uh, now yeah, I'm open to, to any opportunity. I'm just very excited. I just want to get out there and get my feet wet and and just learn um some more on some more on hand. Um I know I understand the terminology, but I need to get on out there and, and, and get into the mix. So I'm very excited about that.
1: Right on there. Well, I wish you luck, my friend. Uh we will uh stay in touch and uh thank you everyone for listening. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. uh, All right, Larry. Yeah, good to talk to you. Joe, you You have a good day. Everyone have a good day. God bless
0: you.